think people will listen? Do you think people will listen for a minute? You're joking. Not another one? You're the serious presenter. I'm just the, yes. the other okay. guy. Welcome to Not Another Sports Podcast, where we talk about the lighter side of sport. Here with me is my co-presenter, Chris Holland. Chris is so intimidating that he doesn't run away from his problems. His problems run away from him. Hello, John C. Bayless, Hucknall's answer to Alistair Brownlee. <laughs> oh, I love it. I think our introductions are getting better. I mean, they're, they're very self-serving, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really care. I, I'm just happy to, I'm just happy to, to be sharing little facts about you, John C. Yeah, and likewise. And as we go through the weeks, hopefully you will get to know us a little bit better and a bit more about our characters. Chris, have you been well? Um, I've been too bad, thank you very much. And yourself? Yes, I've been looking forward to recording our second episode. Uh, sorry, it has been a few weeks since our first episode was launched, but this is it. This is the beginning of the weekly instalments. We had to iron out a few of the creases from the first episode, but, you know, that's the way we want to deliver the best possible podcast we can for you, the listeners. So, Chris, what are we going to start with this week, do you, do you know? Um. Well, you've told me about this story that happened in in NASCAR this weekend, yes. um, which is going to be our obscure sto- story for this this week's episode. So you know more about this, so I'm going to let you go for it and uh, and tell us all about it. Okay, so we go over the pond to Pensacola, Florida. Race at the weekend was won by Noah Gragson in dramatic fashion. He won uh, in lap 90 after his pit lane stop. I've got to be honest. Just going to put this out at the beginning. I don't know a heck of a lot about NASCAR racing. It baffles me a little bit. Um, They're the ones that go round in circles, aren't they? Yeah, round and round, round and round, and round and round. I mean, I I can't tell if that would be good or bad as a spectator sport. Yeah, I think the crashes are what makes it. The crashes and the non-stop (laughs) flowing of beer. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that a motorsport that is built on crashes is necessarily um i don't know well some people everyone everyone likes the, the kind of thrills and spills don't they but um yeah so yeah Noah gragson wins uh he's a young lad 20 years old so i mean can you imagine you know being on center stage of the sport you've just won a race uh he's moved up the rankings just in the past couple of years so you know, he's riding that emotional high. And he's just like buzzing, absolutely buzzing. He was very, very quickly brought back down to earth after this whole event had taken place. And I'll tell you for why, Chris. He was congratulated by one of the, um, it was called the Snowball Derby. So one of the Snowball Derby models. And uh, she comes over to him. He's like, hey, how you going? And then she comes over, kind of gives him a half hug. And then he, bam, goes straight in for a kiss. As to which she she just turns her face at him. Oh, and oh man, it is brutal. And this was all caught thanks to uh, the TV cameras live for us. So uh, if you want to see this moment of absolute hilarity yourself, then we will be posting it out on our Instagram at Not Another Sports Pod later on. But oh, honestly, Chris, it is brutal. If you haven't already seen it, man, you need to check this out. <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to say that. Uh, you know, we've all been there, but we haven't, have we? No. I mean, no. firstly, riding NASCAR. I mean, no. It's a slightly surreal situation, isn't it? Yeah. I think also, 
trying to kiss someone on national TV is just a bit awkward anyway. Mm, yeah. Why do I you could... do it? Yeah, yeah. I've, so I've got nothing more to add. I, <laughs> I, I complete, I'm just agreeing with you. It's terrible radio, really. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think that trying to kiss someone on national TV is, is the way to go as such. No, I, I think we should just draw a line and uh, just trying to kiss someone you've just met um, spontaneously on any kind <laughs> of uh, forum or platform is probably um, slightly awkward for all involved. But in this case, at least it's given the internet something to, to watch and laugh at. However, I have just tried, I've been trying to find this video while you've been telling me about it. And it looks like uh, there is a follow up video where they do indeed kiss. Yeah, I think later in the article, it does say that he gets the I mean, number and he gets a kiss, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that that's what he'll be remembered for. Yeah, exactly. And it's a very brief kiss as well. It's very non-kiss, the kiss that he gets, I think, from my point of view anyway. Noah Gregson, hopefully better days are ahead for him. I mean, he still did win win this race, didn't he? So, I mean, it's not all bad. Oh, yeah, not all bad. And he's 20 years old. I mean, probably... You know, probably ending mm. a little bit. <laughs> too too much post-race champagne, maybe. That's it. That's it. Well, Noah Gregson, let's hope that uh, you've learned. You've learned from yourself. Hey, I've been 20. I made mistakes. Chris? Oh, John T, I went to university with you, so we'll <laughs> just leave it there. Yeah. We, uh, yes. Let's not yes. divulge any of that information. No, eh? no, let's not. Right. Maybe, well... maybe, Maybe in a few episodes' time. Yes, maybe, you know, the more we go on, the more we'll come out about, indeed, some uh, university antiques. Antiques? Antics. <laughs> right, mate, on to the bad. I know you you, you are an out-and-out football fan, Chris. I've always kind of been, I'll watch it, it's decent, I'll get into it because I love sport. But when it comes to the other side of it, when it comes to, like, the complete and utter fandom, I'm not there. I don't get it, okay? So... The bad this week is football fans, and now obviously I'm not going to I'm not labelling all football fans, but uh, I'm, I'll address a certain set of fans that are the bad. Um, but we saw a few instances in the English Premier League across. There were some um, heated rivalries this weekend, just gone that took place with Tottenham um, and Arsenal in the North London derby, and that got very heated both off and on the pitch. Then in the Liverpool derby, uh, Everton playing Liverpool, uh, there were a few, uh, if you like, what we call missiles thrown from the crowd. I've just done air quotes there, well aware that no one can actually see them. Uh, some missiles thrown from the crowd to the players. But the the entire not not actual missiles, because that would no. that would be a story, to be fair. <laughs> that would be huge. <laughs> I think we could do a whole <laughs> podcast just around that. <laughs> well, I'm glad yeah, that's that's good to know. I'm glad yeah. that there weren't any actual missiles. No. So when just... I say missiles and air quotations, it's usually things like five pence pieces, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not great. Oh, I was, I, I, I had an image in my head of like a Nerf ball just being thrown <laughs> into the pitch. I mean, that would be great. off the back of someone's head. That would be quite funny. I think, you know, for example, if I was Virgil van Dijk, who the missile got aimed at and it was a Nerf ball, I'd just be picking that up and lobbing it back. Much more entertaining. <laughs> I think my all-time favourite um, projectile that has been launched onto a football pitch, if you've never seen this video, please go and look at it now is a paper aeroplane being thrown from the back of Wembley Stadium during an England game and it flying right down to the pitch and then hitting someone in the back of the head, one of the players. I think it's like, it's ridiculous. And it's one of these, uh, one of these 
international games that, well, that not so much now because they've changed the format, but there used to be a lot of international football that didn't really have a lot riding on it. And, you know, you get the old Mexican waves going around the, the fans. Anyway, go and look at it. It's very funny. That's how, how, I mean, the length of a football state. Well, I mean, supposed to get down to the pitch side from a, well, that, that's, that is a great paper aeroplane. I'd love to know how the aerodynamics was working on that paper aeroplane. I mean, it, very impressive. I can only ask that you go and watch it. Oh, Chris, I will get on it. And hey, you know what? When I find it, if we can, we will repost it to the Instagram. Give the Instagram another plug. Not at not another sports pod. There you go. That's where you find us on Instagram. But yeah, sorry, back to the story of crowd violence, Chris. So um, it, let's take you to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Beautiful part of the world. And they are passionate. They are probably the most passionate fans that you can get in all of football. And that's a big statement, I know. Um, but they have uh, a cup every year, which is the Copa Libertadores. I think I've said that right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not sure you have. Um... <laughs> do, you have a, do you want to have a go, Chris? Uh, no, I'm just happy with your your uh, your attempt. Is, is great. Copa Libertadores. No. Uh, I think it's, well, it's the, it's like the South American version of the Champions League that yeah. we have in Europe. Basically to see the best two teams um uh, of South America and these best two teams happen to be in, in in the final happen to be both from Argentina uh Boca Juniors and River Plate now the first game uh, was a two-all draw they played the first leg and because of the historical tension between the two sets of fans only home fans are, were allowed to attend these games so obviously that was the same when they uh came to play the second match at River Plate now this was actually over a week ago now and on the way to the stadium, the Boca Juniors team were making their way to the stadium. It, a load of River Plate fans were basically gathered um, and they were just starting to throw things at the bus. But what they were throwing, like I think they were throwing rocks and stones, started to shatter the windows, which then injured some of the players. And then because the police who were dispatched were using tear gas, that got onto the coach. Some of the players were affected by tear gas. And there was like 29 arrests made. Um, during the whole during the whole debacle, and then the game was actually the game was cancelled, and obviously thousands of fans in the stadium um, who had come to see it. Then it, it was agreed that the game would be played the next day on the Sunday. That was then um, that was then intervened with by the federation, uh, the South American Football Federation. They basically said no, we won't have it played. And now this week, there's talks of it being held in the Bernabeu in Madrid, six thousand miles away. Well, I can see why they they've suggested that because that surely is going to eliminate the prospect of the. I was going to say I was going to sound like an old school teacher and say the minority <laughs> who have who have ruined uh, this massive uh, highlight of the football calendar for not just the supporters of these clubs but football fans around the world who were really looking forward to this match. So from that point of view, yes, pretty good idea because it means the game goes ahead without probably too much of a hitch. But also it kind of, uh, I don't know, it takes a, it takes the kind of needle away from it. It, it makes it into almost a, a bit of a non-event, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. I just think, oh, I mean, great. Be passionate about your team. Be passionate about the sport. I love it. But when it gets to that stage where it actually causes an injury to people, it's just, mm. come on, guys, check yourself yeah. before you wreck yourself. <laughs> yeah, 
I think this is the problem, though, isn't it? Especially with football, uh, and especially in matches like this, where the demand for tickets, in this case for away supporters, way outweighs the the amount of tickets that can actually be given. You end up having like a massive drinking culture, and then people full day drinking, want getting a bit leery maybe a bit annoyed that they couldn't get into the game and then things just things kind of spill over. We've seen it so many times of England or whenever they've travelled overseas. So, I mean, like, I don't think we can um, pan Argentinian supporters too well, much because we've our own supporters are pretty um, poor for their own reputation, although I suppose at the last uh, Euros it was uh, probably the, the Russian supporters who came away with the, the bad reputation. Uh, the terrible scenes in Marseille, but yeah, it, it just, uh, it's just a recurring theme in football and it's quite tiresome and, and, and not good at all. Is that? Yeah, no, not good at all. But on that, what you just said about away fans, Chris, this was actually the home fans. Of the, it was there. It was, the, it was getting played at their stadium and they actually wrecked it for all their fans, which is even worse. Yeah. Kind of yeah like I, doubling down. I mean, yeah, not, not, not great. And not even great. still, I mean, because again, this this kind of has happened in the past when you've had big games, and then especially I think I'm thinking back to Liverpool when they were in the Champions League latter stages last season, and I think there was a few times where their fans, because it's like such a a feverish atmosphere around Anfield on a match day, and the t- the visiting team coach has to go from whatever hotel or airport it's coming from to the stadium itself and, you know, through like residential streets and they kind of get blocked off, I guess. Uh, And then when, when you're the home supporters and you've had a few drinks and you see the opposition and you see an opportunity to kind of gain some kind of advantage from maybe riling them a bit, I guess that's, that's where it starts, but then it quickly gets out of hand, doesn't it? That's it. That's it. Well, those for those River Plate football fans, you are the bad this week. I'm afraid to say, you've let yourselves down and you've let your team down. I've said it there. There it is, Chris. We draw a line under it. I, I think that the the football supporters of Argentina will be reeling uh, that they've lost your respect. Well, only a few of them, like you say. It's the few that may wreck it for the many. Not all Argentine football fans. I'm sure there's some that are great. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't hate me if I ever visit your country. <laughs> right, moving on to the good tonight, Chris, because the good has got so many caveats to it. Um, I've got to be honest, I've come full circle on this guy. And, uh, well, we spoke about it a bit before we started recording this evening. So do you want to introduce him? Well, he's made a truly ridiculous comeback. I think everyone couldn't possibly have uh, no one could possibly have avoided this story it's the comeback fight for Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder in Los Angeles of course ending in a controversial draw but so much in the build up in the fight and then in the post fight in terms of uh, the media and the comments afterwards i actually don't know where to start with this one jonte <laughs> me neither well firstly like you said it was a draw but everyone said he won, really, uh, despite what the result showed. I think where he went down in the 12th round, I think that was when he lost maybe a few points. But 
other than that, you know, various people from the world of boxing who know far more than I do said that he did win. I mean, some people have even gone as far to say that the judge who scored Wilder as the as one of the win uh, as winning that match needs to be um, banned from boxing <laughs> completely, uh, which is a bit extreme. But um, hey, it was a draw, you know. Probably not what people wanted, but at the end of the day, I think actually a good result for Fury's comeback fight. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think it's not that people didn't want that. I think it's that. I don't know. At, at most other sports, you have a really clear scoring system, don't you? If you yeah. playing football, you score a goal. If you're playing rugby, you score a try. Playing American football, you score a touchdown or you have a field goal. With this, it's totally down to the judges, and yeah. in this case. You've got three judges who are, you would presume, of a very high calibre to be looking after what has been billed as the fight of the year, especially in the heavyweight division. One of the biggest fights probably that the divisions had in America for a long time. And each of them have scored it differently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like you say, it's so so subjective. But either way, it was a draw. But... uh, one of the things Fury has came up before the fight and actually said uh, that he's going to donate his appearance fee to help the homeless in the UK, which is very honourable, I think. Uh, like I said, I've come full circle on this guy and doing that, I think it's around eight million, eight million, was it eight million dollars, around six million pounds, I think he's going to be donating. I think it's a reasonable amount of money, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Th- yeah, there's, there's not really anything you could do to criticise Tyson Fury after this fight, which really feels strange because I remember this time just over two years ago when he had failed his drugs ban. I mean, it was just a, not long after he beat uh, Klitschko in, in his one of his other fights and, you know, he had the world at his feet and it just felt like this guy has got all the talent but none of the brains and... He kind of imploded, he, didn't he? He said a yeah, few choice comments he, as well. He's not like the only he's not the only sports personality that has has gone down that route. But his his route has been particularly dark at, at some points. I think that he's um I think I'm right in saying that he's been quite deep and down with his, his depression. He obviously put on a serious amount of weight and yeah, lost so he all ballooned. That. He, he ballooned to twenty eight stone. 28 stone that is huge so one of the things that amazed me that i heard in the build-up to the fight was that in preparation for facing deontay wilder tyson fury lost the same amount of weight as or an amount of weight that would equate to the same as ricky hatton yeah 10 stone yeah one ricky hatton one ricky hatton (laughs) I mean, we're talking about Ricky Hatton, like at his peak uh, when yeah. he was a top fighter yeah, um, in the so welterweight Ricky division and light welterweight, but um, maybe not so much now. Um, sorry, Ricky, if you're listening. Uh, I know <laughs> you're sure dedicated a listener. You're de- yeah. Sure he is. Sure he is. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And then, um, so not even that, um, the morning after the fight, uh, he was giving, well, 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 it came about, came out that in a, in a interview that he was doing with uh, good morning Britain on ITV here in the UK, he was chatting to Susanna Reid and he's previously given Susanna Reid diet tips, telling her to cut milk out of her coffee. I mean, what can't this man do right now? You know? And then, um, 
if you saw the post-fight press conference, he finished his day. He was clearly on a bit of a high, and he sang American Pie. Not the full eight-minute rendition, but, um, yeah, himself, his trainer. Not so much his promoter, but uh, they were stood up singing American Pie in the press conference, which is, uh, well, I've never seen it done before, Chris. I've not either. Uh, you, don't, <laughs> you, don't, you know, there's a real lack of singing that goes on in post interview, uh, post fight, post match interviews, I guess. Yeah, um, maybe we need to we need to see more of it, I think. I think we need to maybe see some past hits played out. Chris, we all know you are a huge fan of Carly Rae Jepsen. Mm, Vanessa you know? Carlson as well. Oh, can you imagine? A Thousand Miles played at the end. And I miss you. And I need you. I can't remember the rest of it, but... Karaoke favourite. Karaoke favourite, that is, Chris. It is a karaoke favourite. I think we've shared a moment to that, actually. We have! Um... Yeah, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more about that. Comes in up in the Facebook memories every single year without fail, just uh, and gets relived. But uh, once a year is enough. Anyway, you were saying. So yeah, a bit more singing in post uh, post game, post match press conferences. I think it would bring them alive a little bit. You know, a bit more character. Them. But it's funny that you mentioned about um, him, you know, Tyspear being his personality. Here in the UK, we have something called the BBC Sports Personality of the Year. So his odds going into this year, winning it because of his comeback, were 25 to 1. They've now been slashed to 4 to 1. And I think that's because of the way he has carried himself, because he even came out and talked about Anthony Joshua, where before it's been seen that they've had a feud, and he said, no, he's brilliant. He's done good things for the for the sport. So I think he's... I don't know whether he's he's had like a moment because of what he's been through in terms of mental health issues has actually come full circle and realized that um i don't know maybe he's just he just seems so much more positive in himself and like i said i was i, I was not a fury fan uh, but i have within the last two weeks i've come completely full circle on him i i can't fault the guy really i mean don't get me wrong his past has been faulted but right now i think you know what good on you yeah, I mean, it's a strange, it's a strange tradition, sports personality of the year in some respects, but clearly in terms of public momentum and also, as you touched on, his kind of uh, big focus on, or the big focus on mental health awareness that he's done, which is probably the best thing that's come out of this is the the positive nature of that because it's a real, you know, key issue at the moment in in society yeah. and. I think that a lot of people that don't necessarily have much of an interest in boxing or necessarily in Tyson Fury will have seen his comments saying, if you're in a dark place, I've been there and you can, you can come back from this. We'll come back from this together. Um, you know, that that's, you know, real strong stuff. And as a personality, he is brilliant as a personality. He's an entertainer. He's not just a, he's not just a sportsman, a, a robot. He he really is um, uh, a one of a, one of a kind, a one-off in that respect. So yeah, we never know. Although I'm just looking at the odds for sports personality of the year. So the top two: a footballer and a cyclist. Oh, Harry Kane. Yeah, he's a favourite. And Grant Thomas, of course. Correct. Grant yes. Thomas will win. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Lock it in. Lock it in. Chris. Lock it in. Lock Grant it in. Grant Thomas will win. Gee, of course he'll win. Of course he'll win. Lock it in. Anyway, right, cool, brilliant. Well, now on 
to our very catchly named segment, a not-so-known sport that you should know more about. So this is a segment where I give you, Chris Holland, a challenge of learning everything you can about a set sport that may not fall into the mainstream of sport or it doesn't really come up in talking points uh, on a day-to-day basis uh, when, you know, when you're talking sport in the office with different people or with your friends down the pub. Um, But it's a good sport nonetheless. There's very good athletes in it. So, Chris, last time uh, we recorded, we learned all about the world of obstacle course racing, which uh, you didn't know great amounts about, did you? It's fair to say that my preparation for that particular segment of of the podcast was not not the strongest. <laughs> this is a developmental podcast as we go on. So as we go on, we hope to get better. But then at the end of that episode, I challenged you with learning more about flow riding. So not to be confused with float rider, the uh, noughties rap sensation that was. I think he's still pretty relevant now, isn't he? He's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, it spills into, are we in the tens now? Are they called the tens or the teens? Teenies? Teenies? The teenies? Yeah, yeah. Or am I thinking of the tweenies? Is that, do you remember remember the tweenies? Come along and play with the tweenies. How do you know the theme tune? (laughs) Uh, I had How do you know the tweenies? Okay, yeah, same actually. Um, Yes, it was the same with Teletubbies actually. But um, on Teletubbies, that's come back round. I now have a daughter. She loves it. Wow, we're just bringing more noughties and teenies cultural references to this podcast each week. I love it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's all we've got, really, but there you go. There Um, we go. Right, flow riding, Chris. So I'm going to put you on the clock. Are you ready? I'm ready. I am ready. Right, Chris, as a famous gladiators referee once said, three, two, one, go. Flow rider. So nothing to do with apple bottom jeans or boots of the fur it's basically a bit like surfing but without the sea and with elements of skating and snowboarding thrown in as well so imagine an artificial wave machine but the water isn't deep and it's being fired out of a jet and up and over a fairly small but steep foam padded ramp to create effectively the energy of a crest of a wave the foam bit pretty important to the appeal of this because landing in water hurts enough as it is if you get it wrong it's not just about riding the wave and enjoying the view but pulling off tricks and flips as well anyway the world championships have just taken place in the dominican republic not bad with brad spencer from landlocked utah in the united states winning the men's title and thailand's anisa flynn winning the women's competition if I've done as poor a job describing it as I think I have, go to flowboarders.com for more information or to not another sport pod on Instagram and we'll share a video there too. How am I doing for time? Chris, that was sensational. There we go. Time-wise, you were two seconds over, but I was enjoying it. You had a flow to what you were doing. So I wasn't going to break in. It was brilliant. No, no thank you. Well, I'm wow. glad to share the, share the love. It, I mean... It was uh, it was an experience learning about this sport. Yeah, what did, what was your biggest takeaway? It looks really hard. <laughs> I, it looks for that's that's the biggest thing I took away from it. it often often I usually see it on um, on cruise ships on, on ne- cruise ships never, adverts adverts yeah. sorry. No, I'm sorry, I have a, I am not a connoisseur of cruise ships. I've never actually been on one, but I always see it on the adverts. There's always some really happy on one of those. 
flow. I, I thought you said it sounds very hard. It's because like this is like I've just said in in my piece there. It's like surfing, but it's also kind of a bit more like skating and like snowboarding as well because of the kind of the tricks aspects of it. When you're surfing, you're riding the crest of the wave, but with this, the there is like a crest of a wave that you kind of have but it's very volatile and so you have to really react to the the way that the water is being pushed out of up and up uh, up this slope that you're kind of like effectively getting the wave effect from uh and i just think that staying on your feet would be an achievement but these these guys uh brad spencer and uh, anisa flynn who've uh, won the the various gender competitions have somehow managed to do like half pipes and crazy stuff like that so uh fair play to them wow uh, i mean someone's got to do it they yeah. are the people that do it that's it and it actually makes sense that for example brad spencer lives in a landlocked part of the land i suppose that's the only kind of exposure he gets to this kind of water sports environment i don't know should we get him on the pod <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> should we find out if because he might say well actually i just went on uh, a cruise ship holiday once and i really loved it yeah, I spent one week on a cruise ship and it just happened to be the World Championships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just did, that uh, good. No, but I'll tell you what, though. Um, Anissa Flynn, so I did look into uh, I did look into her and she, she's, so she's from Thailand. She went especially for this championships and she lives in Thailand and she had some like crazy flight from to KL, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, then to London, then to the Dominican Republic via America, I think. So, like, how many legs is that? Like, four or five legs over probably, like, two or three days. She went there, she won it, and then I think she came back again based on her Instagram um, posts when they were dated about two days afterwards. Wow, that's that, hey, that's commitment to the sport. That, that is serious commitment to having your world title. Anissa Flynn, we take our hats off to you. How far would you go to retain your world title, John C? <laughs> my, my world title? Well, oh, I'd go to, to... You know, that world title you've got. Yeah, that world title. Well, obviously, the championships are held in Fiji um, every other 10 years. So um, I'd go there. <laughs> Why? What's, what's the... Uh, what's your Tid- world title? Tiddlywinks. T- t- tiddlywinks in... in- Fiji. Yeah, yeah, it's huge national sport over there. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like you're you're spreading false information now. Well, maybe, maybe. Tiddlywinks, no. is that what you do? You get those in crackers at Christmas. Maybe you um like on the table that you try yeah. to cook. You're like you kind of like um look like little coin things. Flat, small discs that you kind of flick. Yeah. To be fair. I'm, I shouldn't joke about it. I think there is a Tiddlywinks World Championship. Maybe, maybe that will be featured one of these weeks. <laughs> no, I wish I had a world title. What, Chris, if you had a world title, what would you want your world title to be in? Mm. If if I had the ability, I would love it to be for some kind of endurance challenge. Okay. But let's say if you had to have a world title right now, what do you think you're good at that no one else is? Being cynical, I think. Yeah, uh, I think that would be probably my, my main achievement in life to date. I, th- I think I could give you the prize. 
I think. Thank you. The prize. Thank you. Yeah. Mine that's, would, that's me. Yeah. I think mine would be hotel biscuit retention. So. <laughs> retention. What as, are you? What are you building with all these biscuits that you're you're just storing? Uh, as you, well, but no. The thing is, what what, I, what I'm getting at is, as you know, when you stay in hotels, sometimes they give you biscuits. So if I'm away of work and I'm staying in, in a ho- the same hotel for a week, which I do do sometimes, if you don't take the biscuits away, then they don't replace them. Okay. So even if I'm not planning to eat the biscuits, I will still take them and hide them in my bag <laughs> so that I get some new biscuits. Are you sure you want to put this out on, the, on iTunes? Is, is this something you want the whole world to know about? They're free biscuits, Chris. They're free biscuits. Friskets, if you will. Oh, I love your work. I love your work. <laughs> right, so, <laughs> moving on. Favourite biscuit? Favourite biscuit? Mm. Quite like a shortbread, I think, especially from a hotel. <sighs> shortbread is a good good classic staple, but I do love the chocolate Lebanese. Yeah, okay. Yeah, slightly lighter option. Mm. Great dipped in tea. Mm. Good. Yeah. Good. Right. So, Chris, your yeah, challenge for next. I can I can sleep easy tonight now. Thank you. <laughs> you, you. You really can. Right. Your challenge for next week. The sport that I want you to find more about, and I am I am enamoured with this sport. I think is brilliant sport. I want you to find more about the sport of kabaddi. Kabaddi. I feel like I've heard about this. I feel like this is in a major championship. And I yeah. feel like I may have seen it, but I don't know very much about it. So well, that sounds like a good challenge. You are challenged for next week, Chris. You are challenged for next week. Right. Challenge accepted. Good stuff. I think that nicely draws us to a close. Yeah. For episode two of Not Another Sports Pod. It's Chris. I mean, yeah, great. If people want to find you, find more about you. Find out more about me. Yeah. Well, I'm on all of the social networks, um, but don't add me on Facebook because I'll, prob- <laughs> I'll, I'll like to play it cool if I get a Facebook friend request. I'll probably won't accept it for a few days just because I don't really use Facebook and I don't want it to look like I use it by just accepting someone's friend request straight away. I'll probably leave it, you know, just to chill there for a, at least a couple of days. You play um, game. Yeah, that's 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 always been my style actually. Um, but yeah, you can always go go for the Twitter, I reckon. Twitter or, or Instagram what? at k underscore hol. On both. Mm, yeah, mm. I've got very very important to have a strong brand, Johnty. Just like me at real Johnty on both. And also, more importantly, at not not another sports pod on instagram you can also email us not another sports podcast at gmail.com as well if you do want to get in touch it'd be great to hear your feedback on the show and we'd love if you had any suggestions for the good the bad and the obscure or the not so known sports we should know more about well from today's um podcast chris what have you learned that you steal biscuits that's what i've learned (laughs) i don't steal them if they're free what have you learned I've learned that um, with dedication, commitment, and the right diet, you can lose a whole Ricky Hatton in a year. (laughs) Well, we've been Not Another Sports Podcast. You have been the listener. This man has been Chris Holland. I've been John T. Bayless. 
Thanks for listening this week and catch us again next week for more the good, the bad, the obscure and the not so known sports that you should know more about here on our podcast. Me with the daughters.